The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Welcome in to the Thursday edition of the Leach Report. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio here in Lexington on a sultry day, but better weather is on the horizon, thankfully. Cooler weather, I should say. Coming up today, Mike Pratt will join us. Talk a little bit about the draft tonight, coming up in the NBA, among other things. Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. And Jeff Pecoro, my broadcast partner on the UK Football Network. And that's our guest lineup, so let's jump right into the Wildcat news of the day. SEC President's Meeting today. It's expected that they'll extend invitations to Oklahoma and Texas to join the SEC. And then it will remain to be seen how long it takes to work out the arrival time for the Sooners and the Longhorns. Um, The worst-case scenario is that it's after the 2025 season, but nobody believes that that is going to happen. So the thing that uh, now that this move happens, then inevitably it leads to more, and until all that plays out, that's going to slow down some other things, I would assume, like the college football playoff uh, expansion, because we'll have to see... You know, how many do we do we still even have uh, you know as many power five leagues uh, does the big 12 end up you know being absorbed by somebody else or merging with somebody else or whatever and uh, speaking of the big 12 they're accusing ESPN of tampering with their remaining teams and um, so and you know they're partners on their TV deal and uh, the reason part of the reason Texas and Oklahoma are leaving is that the big 12 couldn't uh, get any more money from ESPN and Fox so um, the lack of harmony is certainly there between the Big 12 and ESPN right now. It is draft night in the NBA. Isaiah Jackson expected to go in the first round. Some talk B.J. Boston could. Most projections, I think, have him in the second round. Yesterday, the annual kickoff luncheon took place out at the Longship Club at Kroger Field. And Coach Stoops uh, started by saying how glad he was to see fans and be there to talk to some fans yesterday and uh, UK football supporters. He talked about um, how uh, confident he is that the O-line is not going to take any steps backwards, despite the key pieces that they lost uh, and some guys maybe moving to new spots this year. Very confident in uh, in that group. Uh, asked him about name, image, and likeness, and he said it is something that could be potentially divisive to a locker room, so they'd spend a lot of time talking about it. But he also said he thinks the leadership on this team is some of the best leadership that he's had in his time at UK. Uh, also on the podium with us were offensive coordinator Liam Cohen and defensive coordinator Brad White. Coach White, I asked him uh, if uh, he had to pick somebody that could be a, a breakout performer in the way that uh, Jamin Davis was last season. He mentioned Carrington Valentine at cornerback and uh, talked to Coach Cohen about uh, what they would be looking at uh, to fill the void from the injury of Keaton Upshaw. And he said that Brendan Bates had a phenomenal spring. And so he was uh, very effusive in his praise of Bates. Also asked him about the quarterbacks and 
Obviously, they're not ready yet to name a starter. So I just asked Coach Cohen what he would be looking to see in making the determination of who was going to be the starting quarterback. And he said, quote, the guy that's going to be able to run the whole show, run the operation on a day-to-day basis, be a leader in and out of the huddle and on and off the field, the type of guy who really rallies the players. And for everything that, and I've said this before, I'll say it again now, for everything you're reading about the buzz, and it was big for Levis for a while, there's some buzz for Gatewood now, it's all, they've, they've still got to see out on the field when they put the quarterbacks under stress to run this new offense and do they make the right decisions of where to throw the football and do they put it in the right spot and do they not throw interceptions and do they hit deep throws and all of those things will be the the clincher. They can, some of these things, you know, who's t- showing leadership, uh, especially off the field, uh, some of those things they can uh, do now, but they're going to, They'll really put them under stress when practice begins here in a little less than uh, about a week and a half. So that's when it will be the final determination. And I would think well, they won't announce anything, but I would suspect that'll happen. You know, in the first one to two weeks at at most, uh, it'll be something because they want to get you know, the more and more reps for the main guy. Um, so we'll just have to. You'll have to be patient on that one. SEC has announced home and away league opponents for all the teams. Kentucky's home and home opponents in conference play will be Alabama, LSU, Florida, Tennessee, and Vandy. Uh, Other road games, they'll go to Arkansas, they'll go to Auburn, they'll go to South Carolina, and they'll go to Texas A&M. And home games, Georgia, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Mizzou will come to Rupp Arena without a return game to those schools. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We're heading to a break. Mike Pratt will lead us off when we come right back. It's the Leach Report for a Thursday. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. We go to the drinksword.com hotline. Bring on Mike Pratt, my broadcast partner on the uh, UK network. Let's start with the draft coming up tonight. Uh, what are you hearing about Isaiah Jackson? Anything different from what you've told us before? You know, no, the guys, the NBA guys pretty much has gone under, underground, undercover. And I'm not <laughs> talking to anybody and, uh, for about the last, uh, I don't know, week or so. It's, it's that time of year when they go underground and they start floating, floating uh, rumors that aren't true just to you know, throw people off sometimes. And it's, it's quite an operation. Issel and I were talking about it. I mean, you, you can't believe a whole lot of what you hear coming out of the NBA right now because it's all, uh, what would you call that in, in football, a deceptive move? Or there's a word for it that Send your guys out to the left, but you're really going to the right, you know. Yeah, a little disinformation, uh, uh, yes. disguising something, disguising intentions. I, I, I still stick with 20 to 25. I hope he doesn't slip any lower than that. But and I also hope it's a team that's willing to work with this kid, Tom. You know, he uh, he needs minutes and he needs coaching. 
He's not going to get minutes on the big club when the season starts. Uh, just not ready. So he's got to go someplace, I hope, that says, look, uh, you know, like San Antonio did with Kelvin Johnson. Exactly. I hope he <clears throat> gets with a team like that. No, that would be perfect because – you know, Keldon got picked. I think maybe right at the, the very last in the first round. Oh, yeah. If not, yeah. it was late. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but you know, sometimes that works out well when you don't go maybe as quite as high as you you wanted because he ended up in a good organization that uh, uh, coached him up, and now he looks like he's got a bright future. Uh, doing obviously well with the Olympic team, but a bright long future in the NBA. And um, you know, it hopefully can work out that way for Isaiah. Yeah, I would say that if you were around Keldon and, and his family and friends and all that group, uh, when the draft happened, he was probably heartbroken and disappointed because here's a guy that out of high school was projected to be a very high draft choice. And um, I, I think he probably was just heartbroken, you know. I mean, that, but he picked himself up. And what I like about it, he picked himself up and decided to go to work and uh, not let that hinder his development. So uh, some guys can't handle that rejection because they've had people patting them on the back and telling them how great they are for years now, and all of a sudden you're the last pick in the draft. How do you react? And if if Isaiah goes 20 or 25, how does he react? Um, you know, that, that's, that's going to be key. That and the type of team he uh, gets picked by. What kind of NBA player do you uh, envision him becoming under a best-case scenario? Well, I, I think he's, you know, from what I've seen so far, he, he's a, a small five. And they play small ball. I haven't seen the outside shot. But he, he, he can pick and slip. Um, you know, I, I think he could be a rotation player. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to be a starter on a, on a contender. You know, he just doesn't have a position right now. And I'm saying right now, but, you know, he may develop. But uh, uh, I would hope he can get to a situation where where uh, he becomes a rotation player. Um, when, when you look at him, Tom, and you look at Bam and look at their bodies, and Bam was NBA-ready body, right? And uh, this, this kid doesn't have an NBA-ready body. Um, and he, he needs to work on that in his field for the game. So, um, I mean, we saw Bam and we – we saw him in practice shoot the ball, move out to the elbow by the end of the season. And, you know, I, I, I told Randy Embry, the Lakers scout, and a friend of ours, I said, you know, this this kid's going to be good. He's going to have a long career in the NBA. And sure enough, they took him at, what, 13 or 14. And uh, the kid has terrific work uh, work habits, and away he goes. Uh, Boston, I assume uh, you're expecting no higher than second round? Yeah. Uh, everybody seems to think that he's a guy that's uh, got some upside and uh, uh, the right team gets him and he has the right attitude and they, they're going to work with him, you know? A lot, uh, let's of, go to the... a lot of gold could be mined in the second round. I think when you look at the Middleton as the 35th pick or something, you got to think, well, maybe I could steal one in the second, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point about Middleton. Uh, let's go to the uh, Olympics and uh, they... They play tomorrow night, or no, Saturday night, I think it is, against the Czech Republic's the next game. They're 1-1 one one at this point, and uh, a couple exhibition losses, the loss to France. Uh, what's your take on, on the struggles this Olympic team is having, and there's grousing now about Popovich, so what's your take on all of this? Uh, a quick grousing about Popovich. You know, the guy's terrific, has been terrific, and 
um, you know, the, it, it's uh, it's about the players and the attitude they bring. And, and and in their defense, you know, they've had the bubble, a condensed schedule, uh, not much time off between seasons. And this, I would say there's some tired guys out there. Okay, um, and, and you know, sometimes you mentally need to be refreshed as much as physically. And I'm concerned about this team, Tom. I, I really am. Uh, I mean, don't don't think beating Iran was a was any kind of big co- accomplishment. Um, I, I'm, I'm concerned about this team. Yeah, I don't know uh, how good the Czech Republic is, other than that they're probably a heck of a lot better than Iran. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you, man. I I, uh, I don't know either, but I hear you on that. That's uh, it's going to be. Well, it's, it's just when you got your back to the wall, you find out exactly where you are uh, as a team, and uh, they could, they, you know, they got some, they got some guys that are pretty good leaders on that team, and uh, you know, they can rally. I hope they rally. I mean, I'm pulling for them. I just look at it and I go like, "Whoo, absolutely, man, man, things are tight." Likely, it'll be sooner rather than later that uh, we'll be watching Kentucky play Oklahoma and Texas. And uh, you know, a few years ago, our friend Mark Whitworth was in the SEC office, and uh, he was uh, put in charge of an effort to start building up SEC basketball. He made some good moves, and others have. have picked up the ball and, and run with it and uh, the league's gotten a lot stronger already even before the Sooners and the Longhorns come in so uh, it's going to be going to be uh, of some fun SEC tournaments down the road yeah I think so it'll be interesting uh, do they take one to Dallas because of uh, Oklahoma and Texas I don't know I mean this is down the road and, and uh, you know it all looks good on paper now Tom but we're probably not going to see them till at the latest 25, maybe as early as what, 23, maybe. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I saw a joke online, Tom, that the SEC was going to go to four pods and the name of the pods will be E S P and N. That's not hilarious. That's, uh, that's not bad. Um, you got to use that one, man. We'll have a, uh, you know, we're used to the Sweet 16 here in Kentucky. Uh, it'll be the uh, Sweet 16 at the SEC tournament, and uh, once this all plays out, yeah, it will be. Uh, it will be. It'll be a powerhouse league. It'll be a powerhouse league, and and you know what's very interesting? College sports is changing name, image, likeness, transfer portal, yada yada. But what will be this? What has it been? Ten years since A and M and the Zoo came to the SEC. About nine, I think. Years. Okay, so uh, what's going to be interesting, what in the world happens to the rest of college football? Okay? How, how does it all shake up? To me, that's uh, that's well worth watching uh, how they align themselves. You know there's been work going on behind the scenes, just like there was work behind the scenes with this merger of the two teams. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Uh, you just don't pull it out of your hat. So, I mean, I think there's some people that are really um, looking forward to uh, participating in a different league. We know there are some people who are good at keeping secrets. Oh, man, isn't that the truth, Tom? I mean, how in the world did they keep this thing under wraps that long? This day and time. In in a world of sports where rumors are the best. (laughs) No, absolutely right. Mike, thank you much. Uh, Have a good uh, day. We'll talk next week. Okay, buddy. 
Mike Pratt joins us on Thursdays here on the Leach Reports, 25 past the top of the hour. Justin Rowland coming next from Cats Illustrated here on the Leach Report via the DrinkSword.com hotline. Make sure you try their new product, Shield, balanced electrolytes, natural ingredients, and some bold fruit flavors. It's at DrinkSword.com. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. Back on the DrinkSword.com hotline to bring on Justin Rowland, CatsIllustrated.com. So Oklahoma, Texas getting close to being finalized in the SEC. Uh, probably, uh, I would think, Justin, wouldn't you agree that uh, it'll be much sooner than 2025 before they join the league? I mean, I think it's got to be next year. I mean, for so many reasons. Nobody wants, you know, to, to stay in a conference that's fallen apart for that long. Nobody wants to send their kids on the road to those kind of atmospheres. Those schools wouldn't want to – Oklahoma win four more <laughs> Big 12 championships and kind of, you know, laugh their way out of the league. Yeah, I just – I think it's going to happen soon, and there are just some hoops that have to go through. The scheduling is going to be interesting. Um, and um, it's, it's, it's a probably a little more – uh, deeper topic. We'll we'll save that for after the bottom of the hour because uh, I want to get uh, get your take on that. But what about fan reaction? What are you uh, hearing from your uh, followers at CatsIllustrated.com in terms of their reaction to this? I thought people were going to be pretty excited about it. Maybe that was projection because I got pretty excited thinking about realignment like always. But uh, I think a lot of people are very concerned about football about what does this mean for Kentucky football? You could have eight or nine or maybe even ten programs that could compete for a national championship in a decade's time. How seriously can Kentucky compete in a conference like that? And, you know, I I think the coaches and everybody will say the right thing when it happens, but no question. We make basketball uh, season a lot more exciting. Football, they're going to have to carve out a path to success, and it's going to fall, I think, a lot on how the pods or divisions shake out. That's going to be very important for them. Uh, we'll uh, get to more of this with Justin Rowland uh, when we continue. Uh, we are halfway home on this edition of the Leach Report. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. Return, refresh, and refuel at the new Clark's Pump and Shop in downtown Lexington, right across from the Rupp Arena construction, the uh, 68th here in the Bluegrass. We'll be right back with Justin Rowland. For the Leach Report on Facebook, show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Second half of the Leach Report for a Thursday. We're chatting with Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com about the uh, SEC expansion. And scheduling is going to be a big issue that will be n- next up once they sort through the uh, final details of adding the Sooners and the Longhorns. Uh, we had Chris Doring on earlier this week. And from the SEC network, he said from what he's hearing, he thinks it'll go more toward a pod system of four four team pods. Um, personally, I'll get your take on this. Personally, I think that would be better for Kentucky than uh, maybe just adding what the other proposal that's been thrown out there is Auburn and Alabama coming into the east and Missouri going to the west. Uh, with the pods, I think you you would play the three teams in your pod every year, and then it uh, would rotate through the other pods of who you, you'd play two from each theoretically and um, I think 
that it's going to obviously it's going to be harder. No, no matter how you you cut this, uh, you're probably going to add at least one conference game, and you're going to add two really good teams to the league. So it's going to be more difficult, not just for Kentucky, but for you know a lot of those teams that are trying to make the climb up. But at least with the pod system. In a uh, you know as it is now in a good year you could kind of catch a break in the in the schedule perhaps and uh, depending on how programs are going up and down and you'd have uh, you know some years where it would be extra tough and some years where it might be a little lighter. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm like you. I'm I'm inclined to think the pod could be better for Kentucky. I go back and forth on it. Um, you're going to have exposure to a lot of hard games either way. I think if it's the the bigger divisional format and you run the risk of Alabama and Auburn going over to the east, that would be very difficult, especially if Missouri goes to the west, because you're losing a winnable game and two difficult games are coming over. Um, I don't think Texas and Oklahoma themselves in the short term are that intimidating. I mean, how many how many nail biters has Oklahoma had against mid, middling teams in the Big 12? I mean, they're very good offensive, explosive team, but they're going to take some lumps defensively coming in. I think they're in for a rude awakening, and Texas is maybe only a middle or bottom middle tier SEC team if they were to move over this season. But, um, but yeah, it's going to the league is just going to get more more difficult. Those teams are going to have the same bump that A and M had when they came into the league. And uh, you know, I, the, the good news is I think Kentucky can be competitive with most teams in the conference right now. Um, you know, they were competitive at Auburn last season. A couple of years ago, they went on the road to Texas A&M and lost only in overtime. So they're, they're already in, at a place where they can play on a level field with most of the teams in the conference. But it's just going to be such a juggernaut. I mean, it's, it's no, we haven't seen anything like it uh, to this point in college sports. I think with the expanded, uh, it, you know, with the expansion... <laughs> excuse me, the playoff to 12 teams, that if you're Kentucky and you're, uh, you know, obviously would aspire to, to get there. Um, and, you know, in 2018, for example, they would have had a, a team that could have uh, been in a position to do that. I, I think it was, you know, it was probably going to be inevitable. You were going to have to add one more game. You were going to have to replace, a, you know, a UT Chattanooga with somebody more challenging uh, for strength of schedule component. Uh, in in the discussion of you know with an expanded playoff where you'd have a chance to to get maybe picked as an at large team, so I think that was probably coming anyway. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, I think that that probably was coming. I think the expanded playoff it could be a really good thing for Kentucky. It could be a really good thing for for any kind of parity in the sport moving forward because I mean. The sport is so top-heavy right now, it's very hard to recruit those top-level players when they're all like, I want to play in the playoff. That means I have to go to Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, and that's it. Uh, But if it's 12 teams, you know, and and what's to keep the SEC from getting six of those 12 teams into the playoff if we're talking about the kind of schools that that they're going to have? I don't think that that's that's crazy at all. I mean, you probably do have half or more of the teams that can realistically win the national championship. So if they could go out and tell guys the SEC had five or six teams in the playoff, and eventually the odds are Kentucky may well be one of those teams. I I think that's potentially something really big for Kentucky. You follow recruiting closely. I would think also um, that if – Oklahoma and Texas come into the SEC. Well, they're going that, that if when they come into the SEC, that um, you can it, it only enhances Kentucky's message into those states north 
of the Commonwealth to come into the SEC and play, uh, to, to come here to, to be even a stronger number two in the state of Ohio to, to the Buckeyes. I mean, they're going to get, you know, their, their 25 that they want. Uh, you might occasionally beat them out for one, but, uh, but if you can be the number two choice and, you know, if, if you can offer the SEC, you know, the, an even better SEC and the fact that probably Oklahoma and Texas aren't going to be, you know, new challengers into that part of the world in recruiting, they're, you know, focused elsewhere that, uh, you know, that might help Kentucky a little bit there. That's an excellent point. Yeah, it, it's going to dilute the talent pool that a lot of the schools recruit in, but not Kentucky. And it's going to make Kentucky's brand bigger in the places where Kentucky's kind of unique in terms of recruiting there in Ohio and maybe some other places. Um, you know, it's not actually going to make for, for more places to recruit for the SEC. It doesn't grow the SEC's map. The SEC's already in Texas. Oklahoma and mm-hmm. Texas, as Big 12 teams, are already recruiting Texas. I think you're going to see Texas get over-recruited, frankly. You see you see Florida gets over-recruited. Every school in the country recruits in Florida. You, you have in your head this receiver, this defensive back, I'm going to go get... I'm going to go get this school, this guy in Florida. But when you get there and you actually deal with the reality of recruiting against everybody, you end up with a different caliber of player, a, a worse player. That happens in the Atlanta metro area. I think it's going to happen in Texas as well, but it won't affect Kentucky. And I, I think that's a good point. Wide receiver Anthony or Jordan Anthony commits to Kentucky over Ole Miss. Uh, what's your take on that get for Mark Stoops? He just has rare speed. Ten to one, U.S. 100 champion at the Nike Outdoor National Championships. Earlier this year, I mean, somebody asked me about Derek Locke. He was a track guy. Derek Locke was a 10-6. Jordan Anthony's 10-2-1. I mean, that's not close, and you remember the speed Derek Locke had. Uh, Anthony is new to track, so he hasn't been training for that. He's just that kind of natural athlete. Uh, He hasn't even been training for football long. He's only played for a couple of years, one year at receiver. So you got somebody who's very raw, somebody who's very thin, but has he, he may be the fastest high school football player in the country in a 100 setting. And Kentucky has struggled to have speed at the receiver position. Uh, he answers that question. Um, that doesn't mean he's a lot to be a great player, but he's got speed they haven't had. And, uh, you know, I, I, we saw that one guy, and somebody on our site mentioned this. I thought it was a great point. We saw that one guy, Jeff Bidet, who can take the top off a of defense, can really change an offense. Good point. And we got to hope that he can be that guy. Uh, I think you also uh, tweeted something about uh, D-line prospect Dion Walker that's uh, reportedly on the U.K. campus, right? That's right, yeah. He visited last month, and he's visiting again. He's a huge uh, offensive-defensive lineman from Michigan that uh, Eric Wolford is recruiting. I know a lot of people think he might be Michigan-bound, but he had a long relationship with Wolford, a long relationship with Kentucky. A lot of schools are recruiting him as a defensive lineman, but, but Kentucky likes him as an offensive lineman. Wolford seems to be open to moving defensive linemen to offense because he likes those athletic guys. Um, I, I wouldn't pick Kentucky, but I think they're right in the mix, and this is going to be a great offensive line class either way. At Roland Rivals on Twitter, CatsIllustrated.com on the web. Thanks, Justin. Thanks a lot. It's the Leach Report, and we'll be right back to visit with Jeff Pecoro on this Thursday edition of our show. We'll be right back. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio.
ZZ Top lost one of their uh, band members. 72, I believe. Dusty Hill passed away in his uh, sleep. So that's for all you ZZ Top fans. Jeff Pecoro joins us. Are you a ZZ Top fan? Oh, I remember when Trey Sombres came out and Fandango. Yeah, there. It's amazing that uh, kind of like Rush that three people could make that sound. But yeah, it's a, a tough day, man. You see all these people that we grew up with, and pretty amazing. They're good, good guys, right? Billy and Dusty. Uh, yeah, my uh, Billy Gibbons was um, played played down at the Opera House three or four yeah. years ago, and uh, my son went down and saw him play um, down there. Um, and that you know they had a distinctive sound and a distinctive look. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's a good. That's a very good comment right there. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about Oklahoma and Texas coming to the uh, SEC. You played against the Sooners, right? Yes, we did. That was a long, long time ago. But uh, you, you know, Tom, I, I, it really is amazing if this goes all the way through like we expect. And I mean, you talk about a seismic shift in in, in college sports. That will be. Uh, That'll be a huge domino because when that happens and if that happens, and obviously I think the Big 12 is going to have to do something that, you know, they already lost the Southwest Conference and made the Big 8 and the Big 12. And, um, I think you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg with this move because that would mean a lot of other schools will, will really have to follow those two. I think back in the, the 70s and early 80s, it was only six SEC games. So Coach Kersey yeah. uh, <laughs> lined up some other exciting you know home-and-home home deals, Penn State there for yeah. a while. And then uh, again, 80, I can't remember which one was first, 80 uh, against Oklahoma, where whether it was here or there. I'm thinking it was out there. And then 82, yep. they came here. Is that right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, that it was inexperienced, that's for sure. Because remember back then, too, I mean, uh, I guess Coach Kersey was looking to really – um, put kind of a signature game on the schedule, mm-hmm. and like you said, the Penn State was fantastic. The two games they had, and and man, I mean, it's just it's Oklahoma. You know, it was almost like when Bear Bryant, my freshman year, when they came and played, and you're like, you know, that's Bear Bryant, and he's leaning against the goalpost, and uh, there's just so much tradition with those schools, and to add them to the already storied SEC, it's going to be remarkable, and it's just, I, you know, I, I kind of. Selfishly for Kentucky football, I wish it didn't happen um, because, you know, it's really – you're adding two really, really tough games. And that's the one thing that I think Coach Stoops has talked about is if, we, if they do add, you know, the, go to nine uh, games and then you've got always obviously Louisville. So that is ten just murderous, tough games. And you're really only going to get two uh, – two breaths you know, during the year. So it's almost like, you know, we're going to have to really place those other two games strategically in your schedule, I think. Yeah, the TV partner is obviously going to want more, better games to show. So I, I, I would be shocked if they didn't go to at least nine games. I, I kind of yeah. think it'll stop there and they'll, they'll, they'll go nine, but then you'll be, I don't know if required, if they'll go that far, or strongly encouraged to play a tenth game of significance. Well, if you remember, um, well, we were really young um, when Kentucky in '78, when uh, they tied with Alabama for the league championship, that Alabama was awarded officially the championship because they played one more SEC game. And um, Roy Kramer, who was a really good friend of my dad, told the story of, of talking 
to the Alabama people and uh, asking Bear, said, we, we want to have a one game between you and Kentucky. And he said, oh, no, we're not because they're, they'll kill us. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't play, and Alabama, you know, is awarded the championship. But, um, you know, like you said, Tom, it's now the now we've seen all all these people start weighing in on how you break it up and you know is it these little four pods or the two sides and Kentucky's in there with Alabama and Auburn and Florida and Georgia it's just you look at that and you're like oh boy <laughs> you know which would you prefer to stay two divisions and maybe add Bama and Auburn to the east and or to go to the four pods of four teams each uh, you know I just I haven't studied it enough to really look at the advantages and disadvantages of having, you know, the pods. Um, shoot, if you got a pod that's, I saw, I think the last one I saw was Kentucky, Georgia, Florida, and South Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> They're not doing anybody any favors, that's for sure. And then people will say, the, obviously, the exact same thing in basketball. The other thing is, well, why do we have to be in there with Kentucky, you know? So there's two sides of the sword on that. But the one great thing, I think, for all the fans is you're going to see you know, at least one more really good team, and you know you're going to get to travel to Norman, and and you're going to get to travel to Austin. So um, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that as well. Let's uh, shift gears to the upcoming season, uh, and yeah, I will add I am too. It's the one thing selfishly from our standpoint. It'll be fun to do a game at at Texas. Fun to do yeah. a game at, at Oklahoma. Um, but uh, for the upcoming season. Obviously, a lot of focus on the the quarterback position, and Coach Cohen talked a little bit at the kickoff luncheon yesterday about the things he'll be looking for. I don't think they'll announce a starting quarterback until game week, and maybe not until game day. But they'll know, and you know, the team members will know much sooner than that. How long? I mean, from you know, you know, you know what this is like from a player perspective. How yeah. long do you think it'll take uh, into training camp before Coach? Stoops and Coach Cohen know who their guy is. Well, I think that's that's a perfect question to ask because to me, with this team, you have all the chips are in place, right? I mean, you're 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 deep at all the different positions. The one question is quarterback. The longer it goes without somebody stepping forward, I think is a, is uh, creates a bigger problem. Uh, I went we went through this a lot when uh, when I played with the the turnover from Larry McCrimmon to Randy Jenkins to Tommy Boyle to Doug Martin to, you know, you just keep naming quarterbacks, Mike Whitaker, Kevin Dooley, and, and finally to Billy Ranstall. Um, it, it's, it's really like Terry Henry in there as well. It's really hard. Um, they want someone to step forward. I think they were looking for one of the two guys in spring, spring practice to really take a huge step forward and really kind of, I hate using this cliche, grab the bull by the horns, so to speak. Both of them did, did really good. Neither of them were great, and I'm talking, you know, Bo and Joey, and I think they're waiting to see what Will can bring. I mean, he is a monster. Um, you know, you see him in the pictures, you're like, goodness gracious, this young man is a beast. He's a Tim Tebow type almost, a quarterback. But they want somebody that's really going to step forward. I think all three of them have really good leadership abilities. It's who grasps this offense the, the best and really takes the reins and kind of runs with it because each of these guys brings a little bit something different. And I think you really want to narrow that down to the one guy and really start practicing with him because in reality, you've got two guys in Gatewood and Bo that really haven't had a lot of playing time at the position here at Kentucky. And then you got a guy coming in who didn't even have spring practice. So look, the difference in, 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 in big time college football, if you look at all the great teams that have won the last couple of years, don't care how great your offense is, don't care how good you run the ball. 
your quarterback play, and this is at all levels of football, has to be spectacular. If it's not great, you're not going to win. What's the, the number in passing yards? Kentucky's average has been right near, near the bottom of the SEC in recent years. What would the yards per game or rank within the conference, where would uh, ideally you like it to be? With the way this team runs, I would like to see at least 200 yards. I, I think that's a fair number to say. That's, I don't think that's you know throwing the ball all over the field to get there. Um, but with this offense and the ability on the outside, I would say at the start, 200, just because it's been, you know, to say it straight, it's been so bad the last couple of years trying to get the ball down the field. That was it because they're going to be able to run the ball, and they're going to be so good up front in that offensive line. Um, it'll be interesting. I would like to see, you know, 200 yards passing and at least 150 running. If you can get that, that's that's a pretty good day, and your, your offensive numbers are going to be better than that, especially throwing the ball. I think that in reality it's going to be up around 250, but – I think the start 200 would be a good balance because they're so good at running. Jeff Picoro, thank you, sir. Hi, right, buddy. Always great to talk to you. You'll be hearing more of uh, Pick and uh, our crew here before too long. We're going to get to a break and come back to wrap up this edition of the Leach Report. Jeff Picoro coming to us on the drinksword.com. couple of Wildcat uh, birthdays. Steve Clevenger, former Kentucky basketball player, celebrating a birthday today. I think it's uh, 75. Uh, saw his son uh, tweet out a happy birthday. And our good buddy Kenny Rice, who has covered the Wildcats for so many years now, doing great work with NBC Sports. He's uh, working the Olympics. Uh, I think boxing is one of the venues he's working. So uh, happy birthday to Kenny. Uh, Randall Cobb to the Packers. We told you about that yesterday. It was uh, likely to happen. Well, it's uh, Randall tweeted out yesterday. It's done. Uh, UK baseball's landed another transfer. Second baseman Daniel Harris from EKU over in Richmond. Career 289 hitter with 180 starts under his belt. Thanks. Have a good day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question.